0: baseball season is heating up odyssey has you covered with the most entertaining coverage of your team stay locked in and in the know with the local voices you trust as they bring you unfiltered takes recap games react to the latest team news and talk to callers listen to your favorite shows for free on the odyssey app odyssey.com your smart speaker or in the car with android auto or apple
1: carplay
2: You're listening to the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. I'm Heather Vale, and today I'm speaking with James Sullivan, co-founder of the Las Vegas Agency and the Battle for Vegas charity softball game. On Monday evening, hockey stars from the Vegas Golden Knights and football stars from the Las Vegas Raiders will be facing off against each other to play a different sport in the third annual Battle for Vegas charity softball game. James, thank you for being here today.
3: Thank you so much for having me.
2: So where exactly did this idea come from to pit hockey players against football players for a charity softball game?
3: Well, the idea started back in 2019. You know, the Golden Knights had just finished um, a run to the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, The Raiders had just announced that they'd be coming to Las Vegas. Um, Las Vegas Ballpark had just opened. And um, we had uh, started working with Riley Smith um, from the Golden Knights. And so we kind of wanted to he wanted to create an event that, you know, gives back to the community, uh, specifically to children's charities um, in the local community. So we were brainstorming ideas. And like I say, it was a culmination of those three things, the ballpark being built and the Raiders coming. And, you know, we came up with the concept for Battle for Vegas and 2019 was our first year and uh, had a very successful event. And this is our, this will be our third year.
2: 2019, 2020, so you took off 2020 presumably because of COVID, is that what happened?
3: Yep. 2020 was an off year with COVID. And then last summer was the was the second annual. And uh, this summer was to be the third.
2: So obviously the first one must have been a success if you decided to continue it even after having to stop it for a year.
3: first event actually blew all of our expectations out of the water. We sold out Las Vegas Ballpark. We had you know, over 8,500 people attend a charity softball game, which is, you know, at the time kind of unheard of. Yeah, 8,500 people there, and it was a, you know, it was a, a, a wonderful night. Uh, we try to make it a family fun event where you can bring the kids, and you know, you see these players outside of their normal sport. So you see their personality. They sign autographs for the kids that are there. This uh, last summer, the second event, you know, we had fireworks after the after the game was over. So, yeah, I mean, we this event has grown, but the first summer um, back in 2019, the event just, uh, you know, blew all of our expectations out of the water.
2: That's incredible. So, curious, between hockey players and football players, who typically makes the better softball player?
3: It's a great question. We were, before the 2019 game, trying to figure out who was going to be better hockey obviously is a stick sport so you'd think like you know the, the hand-eye coordination with the bat and ball would be a little bit better but uh, mm-hmm. the first game was uh riley's team was winning going into the bottom of the last inning and the raiders came back to win in the bottom of the last inning and then this past uh year the raiders defended their title they won again so the raiders have won the first two riley's team uh, you know obviously has a lot to prove this this third third year and uh the interesting thing is is you know these it's a charity event. The players are out there for fun and raising money for a good cause. But at the end of the day, when you put professional athletes on a field, um, they're so competitive that their competitive nature just kind of takes over. Mm-hmm. And was saying just the other day, you know, the first couple innings are kind of, you know, fun, lighthearted. But by the last two innings, you can definitely tell where the intensity has turned up and each team wants to win.
2: So. The Golden Knights have to win this year. I mean, that would be kind of like letting the Raiders have a hat trick if they get to win three years in a row.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's what <laughs> you know. Riley's been saying he's like, we got to, we got to win this year. We got to figure out a way to win. So, you know, I, I've got my money this year on, on Riley's team. We'll see. He's got, you know, he's got a ringer to up his sleeve, but um, it should be a fun competitive night.
2: Who are the players besides Riley Smith?
3: So Riley's team, uh, there's probably about a dozen of the current knights. Are, a dozen of the knights will be their total. Three of them are returning players. So he has uh, Ryan Reeves, uh, Eric Halla, and Nate Schmidt, who are all returning to Vegas here to play in the game. And then the current players, he's got uh, Logan Thompson. He's got Jack Eichel. He's got his, his line mates, which is you know William Carlson and Jonathan Marshall. Uh, Nick Haig. Um, he's got a great. He's got a great lineup this year.
2: Nice. And what about on the Raiders side?
3: So on, uh, Josh Jacobs will be uh, captain of the Raiders team. And then Josh has on his team, he's got Max Crosby's playing, Jonathan Abram, A.J. Cole, Denzel Perryman, um, Kenyon Drake is playing. We just announced yesterday, um, Marshawn Lynch, who is retired, uh, famous, Ra- he played for the Raiders one or two years, he's coming back to play. And then he's also um, got baseball Hall of Famer Greg Maddox playing on his team.
2: Nice. Okay. So besides a really intense softball game between (laughs) really intense professional sports players, what else can people expect if they haven't been before? What's the experience actually like?
3: Well, like I mentioned earlier, it's really, it's a a family fun event. There's something for the whole family. So the home run derby starts at 6.30. Um, The game starts at 7.30. It goes till um, we cap the game to end at nine o'clock. Um, and then there's fireworks at the end of the night. We've also got, like I said, there's special performances throughout the night. So you've got all the mascots in attendance uh, from all the sports. You've got buckets from the Aces showing up. Um, you've got the Las Vegas Aces mascot who will be there. Um, and then we've got the Raiderettes and the, and the Vivas as well performing. So there's a lot, of, a lot going on. This year we have a special guest singing the National Anthem, someone who's made quite a name for himself. He's singing the National Anthem. For the NFL, for uh, the NBA, same game four of the NBA Finals. For Major League Baseball, we're flying him in from St. Louis. He'll be singing both the National Anthem and God Bless America. Uh, there's a flyover from uh, Nellis Air Force Base, well, four F 35 jets for a flyover. So there's mm-hmm. a lot into uh, to this night. And like I said, it's a great family fun event.
2: So you've got a mascot from the Las Vegas Aces. Are any of the Aces players taking part in any way?
3: No, unfortunately. So they have a, they have a road game the night before, and I believe their road game is in New York, and they don't fly back until Monday. So, um, you know, we mm. talked, to them and it just didn't work with their schedule.
2: Well, that's too bad. Maybe next year. <laughs> Maybe. So what charities are receiving funds from the event?
3: So the money goes uh, to the Vegas Golden Knights Foundation. And then from there, um, the Golden Knights Foundation distributes funds to to, two designated charities. This year, the charitable partners are uh, Communities in School, which is the foundation that's founded by Elaine Wynn, And then the other one is called Maximum Hope Foundation, which is a charity that's founded by Comedian Brad Garrett.
2: Nice. Okay. So how much are the tickets?
3: So tickets start at $35. There's tickets still available. You can get your tickets at either the Las Vegas Ballpark box office, Ticketmaster.com, or BattleforVegas.com.
2: Okay. So it's taking place at the Las Vegas Ballpark, which is near downtown Summerlin. What's the best place to park?
3: Well, there's free parking um, throughout, and you could park either at downtown Summerlin, or they've got parking lots uh, around the ballpark. They also have the valet parking as well uh, at the ballpark.
2: Okay. And what should people be aware of with regards to what they can or can't bring into the ballpark with them?
3: So it's mostly they go to the Las Vegas ballpark website. It's the same prohibited items that are for a regular aviators game. The only exceptions that are made is we allow you to bring in like a if you have like hockey puck that you want to get signed or a, a mini football that you want to get signed. So there's items like that that we allow in for this special event. The only thing that we tell fans is you can't bring in, like, hockey sticks or things like that. Um, but, like I said, we try to make it as, as fan-friendly as possible. So players will sign, you know, pucks and balls and things like that.
2: Nice. Okay. So battleforvegas.com, you mentioned, is the website. And they can get more details there as well as buying the tickets?
3: Yeah. All the roster information, uh, charity information, and then also there's a, a ticket link on that website, battleforvegas.com.
2: Okay battleforvegas.com. You can get your tickets there. They start at $35. You can also find out more information, including the roster and the timeline. So 6.30 is when it opens. Is that what you said?
3: Yep. Yeah, 6.30. Uh, the gates open at 5.30. 6.30 will be the home run derby. And then first pitch will be at
2: 7.30. What exactly is the home run derby?
3: So four players from each team will hit in the home run derby. Um, and each player has two minutes to hit as many home runs as they can in that time frame. And then it's a team competition, whichever team has the most home runs will be designated the home team for the, for the softball game.
2: Cool. Okay. Battleforvegas.com, Get all the information, buy your tickets there. Gates are at five 30, six 30 is the home run derby game starts at seven 30 and it will stop in time for fireworks You can see mascots there from all the local Vegas teams. You can see the players. They can sign things for you. Don't bring hockey sticks, but you can bring balls or pucks or other small items. And wow, James, it sounds like a lot of fun. And I hope that you get, obviously, you know, how many people you said 8,500 in 2019. So maybe we can get a few more in there at the max.
3: (laughs) No, we can, we can, we can get more. Um for this year's event. So yeah, let's hope so. We've raised over 350,000 for local children's charities and uh, the goal is for another 3rd uh, straight sell-up.
2: Awesome. Well, good luck with it. I hope you break records and make more than what happened in 2019. And hopefully, I shouldn't really take sides, but I do hope that the Vegas Golden Knights win this time around.
3: <laughs> I'll, I'll let Riley know.
2: Awesome. All right. Thanks so much, James. I appreciate you being here and letting everyone know about the event and where they can go to get tickets and what they can expect. It's been great talking to you. Thanks a lot.
3: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
4: When a student lacks basic needs, like food, clothing, and learning materials, attending school can be a challenge. And that can make it impossible to thrive. At Communities in Schools, we address this issue by ensuring that students have everything they need to re-engage in learning. Access to technology and school supplies. And even emotional support. By bringing Communities of Support to students, we're achieving equitable learning conditions. And that's what Communities in Schools is all about. Learn more at CommunitiesinSchools.org.
2: You're listening to the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show, and I'm Heather Vail. Joining me today is Brianna Barber, Executive Director of the YMCA of Southern Nevada, and Iman McFarland, spokesperson for the Silver Summit Health Plan. Brianna has been with the YMCA of Southern Nevada for 15 years. She's responsible for the general administration of the Durango Hills YMCA, making sure the member experience and program quality meet or exceed safety, service, and association standards consistently. Iman has partnered with the Silver Summit Health Plan to implement Project Neighborhood Health and hold community health resource fairs across the state. She's also a keynote speaker for Silver Summit's parent company, Santeen, and the Pro Football Hall of Fame's Strong Youth, Strong Community initiative. Collectively, Silver Summit Health Plan and the YMCA of Southern Nevada are hosting a free back-to-school community health fair and pool party next weekend. Brianna and Iman, thank you so much for being here today.
5: Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us.
2: So why did you decide to join forces for a community health fair?
5: I would say that we've got a very similar goal. Um, Much like Silver Summit, the YMCA is looking to create a holistic approach to health. Mm -hmm. Our partnership with Silver Summit will allow um, their members to have access to the YMCA as part of their benefits package moving into the new year. So we'll be able to support them through uh, family events, group exercise classes, parents night out events, holiday events, the water park, swim lessons, all of those things that are included with the Y membership option Silver Summit is also supporting with their members at large as well. So it's just a match made in heaven. Iman, do you have anything to add?
4: Here at Silver Summit, uh, you know, we're dedicated to improving the quality of of life of all Nevadans, one person at a time. The combination of getting free access to the YMCA to do that is, is perfect for maintaining a healthy lifestyle.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So on a regular week, Brianna, what exactly happens at the YMCA? What are the resources that people have access to if they're a member?
5: a great question. So we are um, one of the oldest nonprofits in the country that serves from infancy all the way up to the elderly population. And our three primary focus areas are healthy living, social responsibility, and youth development. So that can range from having your child in a parent-child swim class to taking group exercise classes to uh, doc talks with your local provider for a senior wellness class, field trips, family nights, sports and activities, summer camp, preschool, the the spectrum is pretty large and we focus our needs on what the community needs are and that can change with the times.
2: Okay. Iman, what can people look forward to if they decide to attend this community health fair next weekend?
4: Right, so the back-to-school community health fair and pool party will take place on Saturday, July 23rd from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. at the Durango Hills YNCA. This family-friendly event is free and will feature access to the YNCA's amazing water park, several raffle prizes, including backpacks, stuffed with school supplies, bicycles. Attendees can also expect entertainment, free fruit trucks, activities, and games for children. In addition to the fun, we'll also have information, back-to-school immunizations, COVID-19 vaccination, health and wellness screening, such as diabetes, blood pressure, and cholesterol checks, and general health information booths, again, all free of charge. This event is the first of five Large scale community health resource fairs that Silver Summit will be providing throughout the state of Nevada from now until the end of the year.
2: Where are the other four going to be?
4: The other four, well, we'll do two in Reno, um, mm-hmm. which the first event in Reno will be at the Truckee Boys and Girls Club. And then the third event will be back in Las Vegas at the Paradise Recreation Center. And then the last two uh, locations are to
2: be determined. Okay, awesome. So, how do people take part? Do they need to register in advance or just show up on the day?
5: They don't have to register in advance. It's a. It starts at four o'clock with our health fair being driving the the event um, for the screenings and the different activities and games, and then the pool is available to them after that as well. So no pre-registration required. Should they have additional questions, they can certainly reach out to me here at the YMCA. The phone number here is 702-240-9622, and they can call for questions, and uh, we'll make sure they get all those taken care of.
2: Okay. So I'm used to YMCAs having pools, but I'm not used to YMCAs having water parks. So can you tell us a little bit more about what that water park is like at Durango Hills?
5: Absolutely. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. No two YMCA's are the same. Um, each community is different in regards to what their aquatics facilities look like. At the Durango Hills YMCA, we have a seasonal outdoor water park that's open from Memorial Day to Labor Day. We have a zero depth entry area for the littles that goes to about three feet with um, a splash pad, a slide, water funnels and spigots and then we also have an area for a diving board and a big slide so if they can swim across the pool they get to use those amenities as well lots of shaded area and grassy spots to play games and relax and as Amon stated there's going to be food trucks and bounce houses and lots of games and activities that take place at the water park itself not just in the pool but outside as well
2: that sounds like so much fun
5: <laughs> we're looking forward to it it's going to be great be a blast
2: Yeah. All right. So how can listeners find out more details about everything that's going on at the fair or find out more about the YMCA of Durango Hills in general or even Silver Summit Health Plan if they want more information on Silver Summit?
5: So if people are looking uh, for more information about the YMCA of Southern Nevada, they can check out our website at lasvegasymca.org, and that will lead them to one of our four locations, one of which is including the Durango Hills Y. At the why we don't turn anybody away due to their inability to afford our programs and services. That's what makes us stand out um, from other entities and gyms, is that we are really for all and we want to make sure that our programs and services are accessible to everybody. So we do have scholarship options available and all of our program information is at our website, lasvegasymca.org. If they have questions in regards to the event itself, they can feel free to reach us at 702-240-9622 or check out facebook.com
4: slash Silver Summit Health Plan. So to learn more about Silver Summit Health Plan, please log on line to silversummithealthplan.com for more information. We'd love to hear from you.
2: Okay, awesome. So once again, The back to school community health fair and pool party is taking place next Saturday, July 23rd from four to 8 p.m. at the Durango Hills YMCA. If you want more information, you can call Brianna directly at 702-240-9622. That's 702-240-9622. Or you can go online to find out more about YMCA of Southern Nevada. That's at lasvegasymca.org. You'll see Durango Hills there, as well as the other locations. So that's lasvegasymca.org. For more information on the Silver Summit Health Plan, go to silversummithealthplan.com. Or if you wanna see the Facebook event for this event happening next weekend, just go to facebook.com slash Silver Health Plan, facebook.com slash Silver Health Plan, and you'll also see the Facebook event listed there. Once again, Saturday, July 23rd, next weekend, from four to 8 p.m. at the Durango Hills YMCA. And you guys, I think this sounds like so much fun. I mean, I wish I could go to it, but. You I'm sure i I might, I might. Join uh, us,
5: bring the family.
2: Yeah, yeah, I actually- Have some free, dinner. It, have sounds some like free a, dinner. it sounds like a great time for everybody and you know, with all the raffle prizes and you've got the wellness screenings and all kinds of stuff going on, especially the water park. It sounds like such a blast. So if you're listening, please, please take advantage of this free fair. You know, it's happening one day only. Next Saturday, July 23rd from 4 to 8 p.m. And Brianna and Iman, I want to thank you so much for being here and letting everyone know about this event that's going on. And everyone in the Valley is welcome, right? You know, they don't have to live in the area. You can come from all over and just go up there to Durango Hills.
5: That's correct. The more the merrier. Absolutely.
2: All right. Awesome. Thank you so much both for being here today. Thank you. Thank you. you. I asked what kind of family she
4: wanted. She said, a family like yours. Learn more about adopting a teen at AdoptUSKids.org. You can not imagine the reward. Brought to you by the
3: U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council.
2: This is the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show, and I'm your host, Heather Vail. Today I'm speaking with Tanil Pereira, chairman for the October 1 Memorial Committee. The committee is currently looking for ideas for a memorial project to honor victims of the October 1, 2017 mass shooting at the Route 91 Harvest Music Festival in Las Vegas. Tennille joined the Legal Aid Center of Southern Nevada as a staff attorney in 2016, but after the massacre focused on ensuring victims and their families had needed civil legal services. She's now the director of the Vegas Strong Resiliency Center, operated by the Legal Aid Center of Southern Nevada under agreement with Clark County. Tanil, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Thank you for having me.
2: So exactly what kind of October 1 memorial are you looking to have created?
1: So really one that embodies um, all of the collective, yet very different experiences of the impacted community. And when I say impacted community, I really mean the community that goes beyond borders because as most of you are probably aware the majority of the people at the concert that night were actually from outside of las vegas
2: Hmm. yeah where do you think the memorial will be located
1: so we actually know the location at this time um we did a number of surveys and uh, focus groups and some other Um, engagement with the impacted community to see what some of their big picture thoughts or ideas were around a memorial. And what came out of those surveys was resoundingly, they thought that the permanent memorial should be located at the venue where the actual shooting happened. And so um, MGM uh, did step up to the plate there and they have guaranteed two acres of property at that venue.
2: Wow. So we're talking like a big memorial if it's two acres,
1: right? Right, and you know, this event was huge. Um, you know, twenty two thousand ticket holders, and then countless impacted because those ripples really go out all the way out. Mm-hmm. Just your your general community member, I. Right? I have not met anyone that was living in Las Vegas at the time that it happened when they hear what I do that doesn't have a story that they want to share about how it impacted them. Um, You know, it it was huge for this community. And I think, you know, we saw a lot of things in this community. One uh, that was really positive, actually, was kind of the community gelling together around this, you know, unified purpose of kind of wrapping our arms around all of those that uh, were there that night and providing healing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So when will the memorial actually be built?
1: So we're doing this in phases, and over the next 18 months, we're rolling out a very unique process that the 1 October Memorial Committee has developed specific for our community. And essentially, where that will put us at the end of the 18 months, which is really around uh, late summer, September of next year, is to have a final recommendation, a final proposal that we recommend to the Board of County Commissioners. From there, that's when you're going to start to see, like, the groundbreaking and the construction. Um, But over the next 18 months, there's going to be several ways that the community can participate in this process, provide, you know, ideas and feedback and really engage throughout the process uh, to be a part of this. So it's not just kind of, you know, sitting and waiting for that final product but really the process itself that um, is going to be healing for the community.
2: Yeah. Okay. So 18 months from now when you're accepting ideas and submissions to the point where it will start to be created, how long has the entire process been from the idea stage all the way to when you think that, you know, we'll finally have the ribbon cutting or the revealing?
1: So we have been doing this for a little over two years as a committee, but we were kind of, we were formed before COVID happened. Um, mm-hmm. But our first meeting uh, was kind of scheduled during that shutdown period. So it, it stalled it a little bit, but we did push through and decided, you know what, we're just going to have to meet and be very socially distanced at those meetings. But we got started and it's a seven committee member panel, essentially. And, uh, most of us are lay people when it comes to public arts. Um, we, you know, I'm not an artist. We do have an artist. We have a, a an architect. We have one public admin, uh, arts administrator, but the rest of us are lay people. And so, kind of melding those two points of view, um, because we have a an injured survivor, we have a bereaved family member, uh, myself, and we have a first responder. We want to ensure the perspective of the impacted community is kind of melded with the um, expertise of the arts community, so that this is a healing process and that those perspectives are incorporated into the, not just the memorial itself, but the process, Um, because it's really intended to be a healing process for the impacted community.
2: What kinds of ideas or proposals are you accepting? Should they be drawings? Should they be written proposals?
1: So we're calling them creative expressions. Um, okay. And that is just really broad, right? It could be, it could be a painting. It could be a, a, a diagram of an idea, project idea. It could be video of um, expressive dance. It could be a poem, it could be you know a, a sculpture or an idea of a sculpture. it could be a recording of music. Um, there are so many different ways that we express ourselves creatively. It could be it could be a logo, you know because really we don't even know what the name of this um, memorial will will be. And the hope is that people express what they're feeling about, you know, the event or their healing uh, sense it has happened, really any creative expression. And then that collectively inspires a design, you know, maybe pieces of those that are submitted get incorporated into it, but maybe it just influences what the design looks like, right? We want mm-hmm. those arts professionals that are on the teams that do these uh, designs to really get a sense of how the community feels. I often see with our Route 91 survivors, and they also like to be called routers. So the routers, they really like, they like uh, purple and orange, right? They identify with that because it was uh, part of the logo of Route 91. They also really relate to Uh, certain terminology. They do not like the use of one October. And so they don't want the name of it to be the one October Memorial. Like if these are things that they feel passionately about, provide some type of creative expression and upload that so that our design teams see that, you know, they get a sense of what is important to this impacted community You know, and and it could also be um, professional artists, if they want to do a professional art piece, that's great. But if it's, you know, a five year old that has something they want to express through this process, draw Mm -hmm. it out could be done in, you know, in crayon on on construction paper, you know, it's, that's a creative expression. Um, You know, all are welcome.
2: Okay. So it doesn't have to be a full proposal of this is what the entire memorial is going to look like and going to be. It can be just an idea. And eventually a bunch of ideas come together to create the final.
1: Yes, exactly.
2: Awesome. Okay. So who's going to decide which memorial or which pieces of which suggestions and ideas ultimately gets built or created?
1: So we have another pathway. It's for our qualified teams. It's called a request for qualifications. And essentially, it requires at least one uh, licensed architect in the state of Nevada. We want to have everyone that's impacted be able to participate in the process and submit their ideas or their expressions of creativity. But at the same time, we want to make sure that we end up with a world-class memorial, right? This is Las Vegas. We don't do anything halfway here. It's going to be right down there, you know, where the tourism industry is. And so we want to make sure we have a solid qualified team. Um, So that team is going to go through a rigorous process before they even design a proposal. So it will be narrowed down to five teams. Um, It could be between three and five. We really think that we'll end up with five because we want to offer as many designs for the public to kind of give their input on. But those five um, designs won't be designed until after those teams are selected. So the teams will be selected. Then we're going to require that they really engage with the community They go through all of those creative expressions, um, which will be a database that will be publicly available. Everyone will be able to see it. Um, But we're going to ask them to really engage the community and go through those. Um, We're asking that those creative expressions influence their designs.
2: Okay, so how can someone become part of one of those teams that you were talking about?
1: So that's going to be up to each team to kind of put their team together. Um, And it could be a number of different professionals Um, with a memorial of this size. I would anticipate they're going to they're going to have quite a few people on their um, core design team. And so, you know, work with one of those teams that are that are, you know, coming together together. if they are not part of a team but yet they really do want to be involved in the process, they also can uh, submit their uh, CV or just a um, a portfolio of their work if they want to be considered by some of those uh, teams uh, through the creative expression um, pathway so that the teams can see, oh look, you know, this individual is really interested in being part of a team do we have, you know, a piece for this individual? So there are some other ways for them to get involved, um, because that was also really important to the committee, that there's uh, pathways to, you know, be part of the process.
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay, that sounds great. So how can people find out more about the October 1 memorial that's not going to be called the October 1 memorial, or submit their own proposals, ideas, CV, what have you, just get involved in the process somehow?
1: So they can go to our website. Um, It is housed on the Clark County website. So it's clarkcountynv.gov slash one October Memorial. Um, And there, all the information is on there. They actually just redid our website so that it is user-friendly. There's all the different pathways that are on there, links to everything. Lots of information, but very user friendly. Um, there's an app that they can use to submit any of their creative expressions. There's also some um, outreach tools. So there's a toolkit with flyers and different things they can download to share out on social media, because that's the other thing that we're really asking the public to do. The process isn't healing if the community doesn't know about it. So if we can engage you know, others help on kind of that piece and getting that message out there that people can participate.
2: Okay. And what is the deadline for submitting ideas and proposals?
1: So we are taking submissions right now for the creative expressions. Um, We will open the database. I believe it's set for the 17th this coming Monday where people can go on and start to see what's being uploaded or posted And then uh, September 30th of this year will be uh, the deadline for those submissions. So that database will then close. Then we will get um, our our qualified teams and start working with them to engage in the process. There also is one other pathway to participate in this, and that is by submitting to be a juror. Um, It's gonna be the jurors um, that will be, they'll be anonymous, nobody's gonna know who they are, But they are the ones that is going to um, judge the request for qualification team applicants. Um, So Mm -hmm. they are going to whittle it down and then kind of pass that over to the committee to um, make the final approval.
2: Okay, and how does someone sign up to be a juror?
1: on the same website so all three pathways are listed on there and there's links um, for each one of the pathways additional information um, there's a you know a fax page um, for you know commonly asked questions um, but the jurors we're looking at is kind of to be the same makeup of the current uh, committee panel so we're looking for uh, survivors of Route 91. We're looking for family members that you know, some, that lost someone at Route 91. And then we're also looking for those professionals that would be, you know, architecture, engineering, landscape design, all those different types of professionals.
2: Okay, awesome. So, clarkcountynv.gov slash one October memorial, that's the number one october memorial clarkcountynv.gov slash one october memorial that's where you can get all the information or if you want to submit your ideas and proposals you have until september 30th to do that and you can look at the other ones starting on monday And they're also looking for jurors and professionals. So you can find all of those application pathways there as well and all the deadlines there. ClarkCountyNV.gov slash OneOctoberMemorial. Tenille, I'm really excited about this. It sounds like a great project. And I know this is gonna be something that becomes a major landmark in Las Vegas for years and years to come. And hopefully the families and survivors Hopefully they get some peace and some healing out of it. And I think it's a wonderful idea. So thank you so much for sharing this with us and letting people know how they can get involved and be a part of this.
1: Thank you. And thanks for helping us get the word out.
4: 63 Americans a day die by gun suicide. By storing our guns safely, locked, unloaded, and away from ammo, we can give our loved ones a second chance at life. Learn more at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by Brady and the Ad Council.
0: Welcome to an Odyssey Mental Wellness Initiative. It's I'm Listening because talk has the power to save lives. My name is Andy Riggs and I'm very happy to be joined today by the Chief Medical Officer for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, Dr. Christine Moutier. Thank you for being with us this morning.
6: Thank you, Riggs, for having me on. I'm so excited to be here.
0: How do you feel the overall mental health state of America is? Like, how are we? I know we've had a lot of conversations about mental health, but... Are we improving with our mental health do you feel like overall?
6: You know, I feel like it, it of course, depends on who you talk to. And there are people who are struggling. Absolutely. There are also a lot of people who have found new ways to thrive and cope because of the experiences of sort of being able to dialogue about it like never before. You know, some of the experiences might have been new or they might have been, you know, worsening of their pre-existing depression or anxiety. But And I actually just had the opportunity to review the CDC's Household Pulse Survey, which has been throughout the pandemic, kind of taking the pulse of mental health experiences of like average Americans, all different demographics, geography, age groups. And um, it looks to me like there is a sort of steady state going on overall. But again, it really depends on who you talk to. And there are families, there are young people, there are middle aged people who are 100% struggling and again trying to access mental health care sometimes connecting with that and sometimes not being able to do that. so there's a there's a lot of things going on for sure.
0: There's a lot of talk about mental health. We have celebrities speaking out, we have athletes speaking out. we have you know newscasters and media people speaking out. Do you think that's also helping with people to reach out for help?
6: Absolutely. Dialogue and disclosure about our true, authentic experiences as human beings, which includes our mental health. You know, remember, we all have mental health. Sometimes we're struggling. Some of us have mental health conditions, but we all have mental health. So talking about it and those examples, those role models and people who are doing that, I view it as um, having been someone who's done that myself over time. It's actually very freeing because what happens is other people connect with you and you have a sense of like your relationships deepen, you get to be freed up and much more authentic and receive support and and find new pathways. Otherwise, until that happens, there's a sort of a stuckness that can happen with our mental health.
0: What's a good way to get out of those ruts that a lot of us find ourselves in?
6: I think that is an awesome topic because when you are struggling, your brain is not working optimally. You are not feeling your best oftentimes we have our own sort of self sense of stigma that keeps us sort of stuck and keeps us silent. But what I would say is I would say to anybody who is struggling, think of one person that you view as a safe, trusted person, person in your life where you at least have a sense that, that they're going to understand, or if not understand, just not judge. And I would start with that person on the receiving end of things there's some, there's some kind of lessons learned here as well. If someone in your life starts to kind of hint at stuff they're going through, they might just be in a way kind of testing you out to see if you are a person who can be supportive and trustworthy and handle a conversation where you actually show interest in wanting to learn more about what it is they're experiencing.
0: How should we respond on that receiving end? If we are the person that someone comes to,
6: I would say to the person, I'm so glad you trusted me to even be able to say what you're really going through. And I want you to know there's no judgment And I want to learn more about what it is you're experiencing. And you can just stop right there and let them tell you more. Remember, you, you don't have to be their clinician, their doctor, their therapist. You are whatever you are to them, their sibling, their friend, their colleague. And so your job is to respond like they had just told you, imagine something else that um, it would be very private, but a, a matter of health. Let's say that they're going through a new diagnosis of diabetes or cancer or something very serious. You wouldn't you know, run away from that. You would say, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry you're going through that. How can I support you? Tell me more about what it is you're going through. I want to be a good friend to you.
0: Talk really does have the power to save lives. That's why we're here today. It's Odyssey's Mental Wellness Initiative. I'm listening and I'm here with Dr. Christine Moutier, the Chief Medical Officer for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Can we hit really quick on the the topic of asking someone about suicide? Because I think there's still a big myth out there that if you ask someone about suicide, you're going to plant the idea in their head. And that's just not true. And you know, in your research, can you tell us, can you talk to that point, please?
6: Yeah, there are several studies that actually show that that is not the case, that asking somebody if they're having thoughts of ending their life is actually, is a way to provide help and relief. I would say that it's important to ask the question, um, the, the way that I do it is linking up with something that the person has just told me. Usually people, if you say, I really want to understand how you're doing and what's going on in your life, they'll tell you about the circumstances of their life. Right. I'm going through this thing at my workplace, um, my marriage, I'm struggling, finances, breakup. You know, it'll be kind of Facts about circumstances, but the way that they explain it, their tone of voice, the words that they use will give you hints about whether they might be feeling like that they feel overwhelmed, maybe that they feel that they're a burden to others, like they might feel that they're trapped. All of those words or tone of voice are my entry to think, oh my goodness, this person may be struggling to the point that they might be having thoughts of suicide. And the way I ask the question is I say, when you say, and I literally repeat their phrase that they've just used, it makes me wonder if you're having thoughts of ending your life and you can just leave it right there. And I think asking it very directly like that is the best way to show that number one, you can handle it. And number two, that there's no judgment and that you've stopped talking. So you're ready to listen. And that's, of course, the most important part.
0: Let's talk about the nine, eight, eight number that has just gone into place. A lot of people may not know about it, but previously we had a longer number. One, 273 talk, eight, two, five, five. It was just a lot. And I think for a while we kind of advocated to get a shorter number, almost a nine, one, one for the brain. And that's what we have. What is nine, eight, eight? What does this mean?
6: 988 is the new three-digit number for any type of mental health or suicide-related crisis. And that includes substance abuse crisis as well. So really anything that is impacting the way you are thinking, feeling, functioning, that may be related to stress, depression, anxiety, trauma, I mean, it is a wide open field. So and as you pointed out, it's not just the person who's struggling that can use this 988 number. It is the people in their lives, the people who are trying to help um, someone they're worried about can get a lot of guidance by calling 988. I want to make one point. 988 is like the 911 for the brain, for mental health, whereas 911 is being used for you know, medical emergencies that are mostly physical health. The biggest difference that I think is important to realize is that nine one one is a, a really important resource in our nation. It is a dispatch center. So it's not that the person who is having chest pain, you know is going to get medical treatment from the nine one one operator, but with nine eight eight, the call itself is with a trained professional and so there is an intervention there's a therapeutic experience that happens just by calling 988 in the rare instance that that call needs to lead on to other referrals and other actions that can happen too but in the large majority of cases 988 is the therapeutic experience
0: and this is for texting as well. I'm assuming I'm, I've heard that you can text as well. And it's kind of linked with the crisis text line.
6: Yes, you can call or text or chat uh, with 988 from any part of of the United States.
0: What did your role at the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention play in getting the 988 number to come to fruition this year?
6: I think we took a lead in the advocacy space um, at the national level and then in coalition with many other important organizations as well to, to really help Congress understand that mental health is, is critically important for our nation it is the case that AFSP is not the organization that runs the lifeline or 988. That is a colleague organization called Vibrant Emotional Health that does that. And a number of us in the space are able to advocate, you know, for what the nation needs. So it is a really exciting time. And and. Again, it's not just that it's a more memorable three digit number, although that is important to treat mental health just like we do physical health. So 988 makes sense in light of 911, you know, for physical health emergencies. But it is also this incredible opportunity to really reimagine and transform our nation's crisis response system. And and I think with stigma going down, people are just more willing to get help now as well. But again, it's that there can be new funding sources now at the state level to build that infrastructure for a more appropriate, person-centered mental health professionals in lieu of a primary law enforcement response that was built out of, you know, sort of almost by happenstance in the past. We need to move away from that. We need trained mental health clinicians to be responding to mental health crises.
0: Right. The uh, 988 number, these numbers are routed locally first. might understand They go to local call centers first, which whatever state you happen to be in, be it New York, California, Wisconsin, Indiana, Illinois, and then those numbers then overflow if someone in your, in your immediate state is not able to answer. How important is it to make sure that we get the funding that we need for this new 988 number?
6: It is essential. We see that the volume of calls have been going up over the last decade or so pre-launch of 988. So each crisis center at the county or state level is sort of funded in different ways and we need to step it up as a nation. If we're really going to prioritize mental health, we are going to make it a priority and put the funding there that's required to hire and train the right number of staff, which, which by the way, peer specialists can be a part of this response as well. Although through the 988 system, they are all professionals that, that you will speak with. Um, but, but I just wanna say that People with lived experience can also be, be called upon and trained to be a really important part of what happens next in terms of a person's access to support and education and treatment and recovery.
0: Can we speak a little bit to the stigma that still exists around mental health and how someone may feel, well, if I call 988... I don't want the police to show up. I don't want to cause any trouble. I don't want to feel like I'm inconveniencing somebody a lot like what you would think if you reached out to a friend.
6: Yes. So I think it is the extremely rare instance that a call to the lifeline or 988 now would result in, in the police showing up. That is a rare event that is reserved for Um, extreme situations where imminent risk to the person or others is is determined to be the case. So, you know, in terms of stigma, I think one of the biggest concerns is who will find out where does this information go? Is it tracked? Will my employer know? Is my family going to know? And I think this is this is sort of a two-level issue. On the one hand, stigma is reducing and we are aiming for a time and a world to live in where mental health is treated exactly like physical health is. So there still might be privacy concerns. We still have matters of you know private health. But that when it comes to receiving care and being able to get support from your community, your family members, treatment, that stigma should not be in the way of that. But I think the additional... Key piece, when you are the one who's struggling, your brain is playing tricks on you. You are not thinking as clearly as you do in your usual state of health. And so you are thinking, I'm weak, I'm going to get in trouble you know, all these sort of extreme sort of, you know, always, never, um, my life will be over, I won't be able to work, Um, you know, really extreme and, and mostly very untrue beliefs will be going through a person's mind. And so I only point that out because you may be surprised if you're thinking, I can't call 988, or I can't seek mental health care because of whatever, what my family will think, what my colleagues will think. I just want to point out that most likely your own thought process may be the biggest barrier in the way. And you'll find out by just taking that step of calling how much help and relief and support is out there. And in the vast majority of cases, there's just no negative that comes from it. It's like, if you were having chest pain or you're having some other f- physical health problem, when you reach out for help, that's the start of treatment, recovery, support and healing. And it's the same thing for mental health.
0: And nine, eight, eight. The number is now live. And also the suicide prevention lifeline number will still lie, it will still work. It'll still direct to that one 273 talk. So know that both of those numbers are now active and up and ready for you to use right now. Dr. Christine Moutier, the Chief Medical Officer for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Thank you so much for being part of our very important mental health, mental wellness initiative here at Odyssey. I'm listening. Talk really does have the power to save lives. We appreciate the work you do with us with Odyssey and all the work you do with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention.
4: Hey son, how are you feeling?
0: Uh, I'm fine, pops.
4: What's on your mind?
0: I just, I can't explain it.
4: When your kid can't find the language, find the lyrics.
0: Start a conversation at sounditouttogether.org. Brought to you by Ed Council and Pivotal Ventures.
2: I'm Heather Vail with the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show, and this is your community events calendar for nonprofit initiatives and charity events around the Valley. Hockey stars from the Vegas Golden Knights and football stars from the Las Vegas Raiders are facing off against each other to play softball. The third annual Battle for Vegas charity softball game is happening this Monday, July 18th at 7.30pm at Las Vegas Ballpark in downtown Summerlin. Doors are at 530 and the Home Run Derby is at 630 Watch Riley Smith of the Vegas Golden Knights and his teammates take on friends from the Las Vegas Raiders with proceeds going to benefit the Vegas Golden Knights Foundation. Funds from the event will be distributed to two nonprofits Communities and Schools of Nevada, the state's leading dropout prevention organization, and the Maximum Hope Foundation, founded by comedian Brad Garrett to provide financial assistance for families of children dealing with critical, life threatening illnesses. Buy your tickets or find out more details at battleforvegas.com. Crystal Ray St. Viter College Prep School is hosting a series of Lunch and Learns for potential new business partners in their corporate work-study program. Upcoming events will be this Tuesday, July 19th, as well as August 16th and September 20th. If you're a business owner or executive, find out more information at crystalraystviter.org slash lunchlearn. That's Christo, C-R-I-S-T-O, Ray, R-E-Y, St., Viter, V-I-A-T-O-R dot org slash The Nevada Partnership for Homeless Youth, or NPHY, is holding an education drive to raise funds and collect school supplies for homeless youth in Southern Nevada. School supplies are being collected until July 20th and will be distributed to students in need after that. You can drop them off at the NPHY drop-in center near Maryland Parkway and Tropicana, across from UNLV's Thomas and Max Center, or you can purchase from the Amazon wish list and send supplies directly to the drop-in center. Access the supply wish list and other details at nphy.org. Silver Summit Health Plan and the YMCA of Southern Nevada are hosting a free back-to-school community health fair and pool party next Saturday, July 23rd from 4 to 8 p.m. at the Durango Hills YMCA. The event is free to community members of all ages and will feature several raffle prizes and giveaways, including backpacks and school supplies, bicycles, gas cards, baby cribs, and more. Find out more details at facebook.com slash SilversummitHealthPlan. That's facebook.com slash SilversummitHealthPlan. Monday's Dark with Mark Chinook is a bi-monthly musical fundraising party at The Space, with each event raising $10,000 for a specific charity in 90 minutes. Upcoming shows include Monday, July 25th at 8pm, benefiting Sleep in Heavenly Peace, Monday, August 8th at 8 p.m., benefiting the Muscular Dystrophy Association's Fill the Boot campaign. And Monday, August 22nd at 8 p.m., benefiting Aiden's Army of Angels. Get tickets or find out more details at mondaysdark.com. Clark County officials and the October 1 Memorial Committee are looking for ideas and proposals for a memorial project to honor victims of the October 1, 2017 mass shooting at the Route 91 Harvest Music Festival in Las Vegas. This is the start of an 18-month process, and you have until September 30th to submit your ideas. There are other ways to get involved in the process and share your expertise as well. Find out all the details and submission requirements at ClarkCountyNV.gov slash one Memorial. That's ClarkCountyNV.gov the number 1 October Memorial.
0: I'm Brett Boone from the Brett Boone Podcast. Every week we look at the state of Major League Baseball, which teams are exceeding
2: expectations,
4: which ones are struggling to meet them. Follow and listen to the Brett Boone Podcast on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.